Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome to the seventh episode of the Get Your Bell Rung Football Podcast. He is Kevin Reynolds. I am Bobby Wall. And we are here to talk all things football and hit you with some takes that might rattle you up a bit. On tonight's show, we will give you our way too early top five fantasy rankings for running backs and tight ends. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing well. How are you doing, sir? I am doing great. It's very difficult for me not to get into some air instruments with our intro. I just want to hit guitars and drums and all kinds of things that make myself look foolish. Yeah, I can't really get into that because I'm the one controlling the intro. So I don't really have the uh, wherewithal, the multitasking skills to uh, play air guitar or air drums or air whatever as you're doing it. I just admire you for yeah, that. I'm just over here twiddling my thumbs. Yeah, you look fantastic while you're doing it. It's it takes everything I have not to start start head banging here. But um, Kevin, uh, going back to last week's episode, I did some more research on the ever important Sam Howell dietary scandal that we talked about, and uh, unfortunately, I found out that there's absolutely no reason that he only eats chicken. It's just a personal choice. Uh, and I also worked out that Tyreek Hill trade and the compensation that you wanted me to look at. And as far as that trade is concerned, it turns out to be right around the 16th overall pick, which would be less than the Devontae Adams deal. Yeah, I uh, I don't know what to say to that. Two good deals. You want to be looking into it. So, Oh, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. It's, uh, all those deals are win-win for everybody involved, most likely. And we'll see what's going to happen this season. And in real life, obviously, you'd give up the 16th overall pick for Tyreek Hill. You'd give up the 11th or 12th overall pick for Devontae Adams. Um, you'd even give up a higher pick than that. But then, you, you know, well, why would the other team only give up the 16th pick or whatever as far as compensation is concerned? But then you got to go into contracts and are we going to pay him and this and that. So uh, all in all, I, I think it. I think everybody wins. I agree. I think the Chiefs are set up great. The Dolphins are set up great. Green Bay will have to see, and the Raiders, wow, they uh, they hit the jackpot there. They sure did. Um, how do you feel about Kyler Murray sitting out of the voluntary OTAs? I think he's a whiny baby who doesn't deserve the contract that he is demanding. He's just not that great. He's good. He's solid. He's a fun fantasy quarterback. What has he really done besides throw up some decent stats? I don't understand his whole deal. I He's not the best passer in the league. He's not the best running quarterback in the league. He's not the best this. He's not the best that. He doesn't seem like the greatest of teammates either. It's always you, you, you when things mess up, but me, me, me when they do well. I think he's in an offense that is made for a quarterback to succeed, and it's still just not really happening. I I, I don't like it, and he's going he's gonna to find out soon that you do that where well, you're handcuffing everything else. So who are you going to blame then when you don't have anything two, three years from now? So I'm not happy about it. I, I don't think he's, des- I don't think he deserves it. Is he a great quarterback? No. Is he a really good quarterback? Yes, but he doesn't deserve, you know, top three money. I'm, I'm with you. I understand it's voluntary OTAs. And if you want to say, look, it's voluntary. Don't show up. Okay. He doesn't have to. My, my issue with the whole contract deal is he's he still has two years left on his deal. Most guys start whining and complaining when they have one year left. But 
given the fact that his team has the fifth year option, he basically still has two years left on his deal. His overall record and no quarterback record, like how do you really see that? Some some people think it's important. Some people don't. I'm undecided, but it, he's 22, 23, and one. So he's not even 500. He's never hit 4,000 yards passing. He's never thrown for more than 26 touchdowns. He's got a reputation, as you said, kind of being a diva. He's more worried about himself than the team. A normal For a normal average player, it's voluntary, it's whatever. But he's the quarterback, dude. He's the supposed leader of the team. How often, let me ask you, I mean, this is a, it's kind of rhetorical, has a top-end quarterback sat out? I think Aaron Rodgers maybe sat out, but that wasn't until he was the he was the unquestioned leader of his team. And this team was going to follow him regardless. Aaron Rodgers also isn't the poster child for teamwork makes the dream work. And I give you the air quotes there. Um, and it, we think about another quarterback in the league, Lamar Jackson. He's in a similar situation. He has an extra year under his belt than Kyler Murray does. And he's been superior to Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray in every major statistical category that I looked at. He's Especially winning. More, right. And he's got more passing yards in the season. He's got more rushing yards in the season more than once. He's got more touchdown passes in the season. If anything, Kyler should at least show up. If you're not going to do anything on the field because you don't want to get hurt because you want this contract, whatever, at least show up because then you're getting mental reps. Your teammates at least, at least see your face and know you're part of them. And for the coaching staff, even if you know Kyler's not going to do anything, at least when he's there, you know. You, you played sports in your life. When I, when I played college football, I hurt my shoulder. I, I didn't miss a game, but even sitting out in practice, I see another guy on the field taking my reps. I don't care how bad my shoulder was hurting. I wanted to be on the practice field because I didn't want it to be that guy. So even if you're the Cardinals coaches and Kyler's like, look, I'm not going to come do anything, blah, 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 but I'll come do mental reps, get him there. Because that, I mean, that competitive fire's got to be burning in him and he's going to want to get out there. And maybe that'll be that extra push that he needs to go, get on the field and actually work on his craft with his teammates. But man, you're the quarterback, dude. Get out there. Do well, your thing maybe that's with your team. It. Maybe he's not as dedicated as he pretends he is. If he was, maybe he would be out there. You know, that's, that's really a lot of these guys looking for any excuse to not have to go out. And you can find one manufacture one in one week. He's, he refuses. He'll never go back. He demands a trade. Now he just wants a new contract. Okay, what's the best way to make any of these type things happen? Good faith with your team. Show up. Show up. I guarantee you, GMs, coaches, they're all going to work harder if you're actually coming, showing at least some level of commitment to the team other than just yourself. And it's completely different from L. Jacks. The Ravens have gone on and on and on. We're ready whenever he's ready to renegotiate. L. Jacks himself is the one that keeps saying, I'm just waiting. I'm fine if we do it at the end of the year. That's cool. I think what he really wants to do is put up one more just huge year so he can really hit the jackpot. He's already going to get huge money either from them or somebody else anyway. But two totally different scenarios. They're, it's perfect. He, he's a leader. He's the unquestioned leader of the team. He doesn't yes. whine. He's earned what he's got. Yes, what, a few years ago, sets the all-time record for rushing yards by a quarterback. In the very same season, he led the league in passing TDs. He did all that in one season. What has Murray done anywhere close to any of that? 
think about that, the, that approach. So Lamar Jackson is going out of his way to bet on himself. Yep. And Kyler Murray is going out of his way to get his money now because he's not sure what's going to happen. I, I'll buy that all day long. Yeah, he, that's uh, it, it's just two different, two different personalities, two different ways of approaching this. And one seems to work well with teammates, coaches. One does not, or we wouldn't be sitting here talking about it. Yeah, it's good. The team's going to implode because of it. I can't imagine because you know how locker rooms are. Okay. They they say the right things in the press, but you know that in the locker room, there's some unhappy people. Even if they don't come straight out and say it, there's going to be some unhappy people because their careers are, are riding on it too. This isn't like your third string right tackle holding out. This is your franchise that without him, all your money, all your future earnings are tied into him and, and winning. Yeah. It's shenanigans, buddy. Yeah. I don't care for it. I'm, I'm tired Absolutely, of the titled athlete. Mm, 100%. I have a fun little story that sort of uh, goes along with that one as far as wanting someone to be out there with you and all that stuff. I remember um, I went to a small school in Maryland. Uh, and I played college football there. And we – at my school, that's where the Ravens used to do their summer camp and their summer ball. And I remember one day was we had to share the field with the Ravens. So they had the they had the game field at this particular time. And we were on a grass practice field and it was hot. It must have been 95 degrees. And I'm full pads. I'm hands on my knees. I am dying. And I looked up and I saw Ray Lewis riding to practice in nothing but a helmet in a golf cart with his feet propped up. And somebody else was driving him there. And I remember thinking, man, I hate this dude because he's not going through what I'm going through right now. <clears throat> and I can't imagine being, I mean, imagine if you're Ray Lewis going out to the field and, you know, Joe Flacco or whoever else, forget isn't practicing with you, isn't even in the daggone stadium, isn't, isn't in the practice. They're, they're, they're at their house in their pool with their feet propped up. Yeah. I mean, Ray Lewis and I had zero connection besides we both were playing football at the same place at the same time. Right. And I was still upset with him because he wasn't going through what I was going through. Can you imagine being an Arizona Cardinal and going through this stuff and blood, sweat and tears and your quarterback, the leader of your team, isn't there? Come on. You know, all that makes sense, but you lost me some time ago early in that when you said he was having somebody drive on a, golf car and he came out he was riding out in nothing but a helmet okay kevin for it's easy to lose you i understand he, I mean, <laughs> he was dressed he was he was dressed it wasn't a nude practice he just as far as equipment was concerned all right are you ready to move on to the top five running backs I can't I'm have you derail the show anymore. your story. You're a great storyteller. Sometimes things go off the rails a little bit. And I'm just in here telling you I appreciated that story. I'm, I'm glad, Kevin. I'm glad you pictured Ray Lewis in nothing but a helmet. <laughs> and, it, and it really tickled your fancy. He was a great man. Gosh. Don't say the God uh, who walked as he, man. Well, that's – I'm not sure many said that. All right, top five running backs. Are you sure you're ready to go? I've been ready to go. I've got mine, buddy. All right. 
So one thing I want to say first, and um, something that I, I hold in high regard, is that last year, the late, great Mike Tagliere from Fantasy Pros wrote a fantastic article regarding the age of the top five running backs each year for the last 14 years. Um, I'm going to post a link on our Facebook page uh, and Twitter for anyone who wants to check it out. But basically, most of them come between the ages of 21 and 26. Now, uh, there's a big drop off at 27. For some reason, there's an odd bounce back year at 28. But then this, the cliff really steepens. So I'm putting that out there as a guideline that helped me come up with my top five. And we also need to keep in mind that it is, it's May. It's May 25th right now. So these, these lists are going to change most likely. I, I can assure you these, my top fives aren't going to be the same. There might be a couple guys that will stay. You know, my number one running back is Jonathan Taylor, and I'll go through my five first. He may stay number one, but it's May, so we have plenty of time for this stuff to change. Uh, but for me, Taylor was last year's number one running back, and he's my number one this year. He's young. He's only 23. He's coming off 1,800 yards and 18 touchdowns. Okay, they use him in the passing game, and I honestly think that the presence of Matt Ryan is going to help Taylor succeed. I went all the way back to 2012. And Matt Ryan's running backs have always had upwards of a hundred or more targets every season. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking way back. Michael Turner, Jacquez Rogers combined over a hundred running back targets. The Colts also had PFF's number 12 offensive line last year, and they're not going to bring back the same five guys that they had last year, but all of the guys they're bringing back were on the team. So they've all played together in some way. And, um, they know the offense. Since 2010, only Todd Gurley has repeated as RB1 in a half PPR format. And that's what I was looking at was half PPR. <clears throat> he was the king in 2017 and 2018. Now, some guys have been close. Alvin Kamara was first in 2020. He's never been lower than 12th since he was drafted. And something I didn't know is that he's been at the Pro Bowl every season he's been in the league. That's Pretty impressive. Alvin Chris Kamara. McCaffrey, he was 15th and 20. What's that? You're, who you're saying Kamara's been in the Pro Bowl every year? Correct. Yes. Christian McCaffrey was 15th in 2017. He was third in 2018. He was first in 2019. And then obviously we know injuries derailed him. Um, Le'Veon Bell, he was first in 2014. Skip 2015, I think he had an injury in 2015, if my memory serves me right. But then he jumped back up to third in 2016 and was second in 2017. So what I'm getting at is that there is precedent for Taylor to repeat as a top dog or at least have a top three or four finish. And I'm fine with that. If I take Jonathan Taylor as my number one pick and he finishes third or fourth, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, well, he's obviously he's my number one. We'll go through my list here in a bit, but. He's my number one. He's almost everybody's number one. I mean, he's just the consensus guy. Not, nothing much has changed. He's a beast. He's young. Uh, he doesn't really have anybody behind him. He has Naheem Hines, Philip Lindsay behind him. That's not really a threat except for third down. He uh, led last year the NFL in red zone touches with 92. He had 42 carries inside the 10. Again, led the NFL. So he's not just a guy who's going to get you the yards and then we hand the rock to somebody else to get the six. He's going to get the points you know, from the 20 to 20. He's going to get the points in the red zone. Um, and back to Ryan, last year on the Falcons, 
he led the NFL. He targeted running backs 8.6 passes per game. So uh, he, it's, that's going to continue there. Now, something we talked about before the show was uh, Wright coming out today and saying fantasy managers of the world should go get Naheem Hines the first chance you get because they plan on throwing to him a lot. And I, I actually think they probably will. He went from something like two years ago, I, I saw what, seven, 73 receptions to last year, only like 52, 54, because Wentz refuses to check the ball down. So you go from this one dynamic of Matt Ryan, who is the most check downs, to then Wentz, who's the least check downs. So he could have a big year too, but I don't really see it cutting in to anything Jonathan Taylor does. He's a guy, like you said, you draft him first, he ends up third or fourth, he still is going to have a good year. He's a guy, if I draft first and he breaks his leg in week four, I'm still not going to think that I did something stupid. How, this no, a, this no is way. a no-brainer. If something freak happens, it happens. But right. this isn't like, say, maybe, okay, if somebody wants to argue about Derrick Henry, he's getting older, he's got you know, a lot of mileage, but 28, that bounce-back year you talked about. So, uh, yeah, I... This guy's number one. It's just the way I – there will be very few leagues, redraft leagues, where he doesn't go number one. Right. As far as Naheem Hines go, nobody hates fantasy football more than NFL coaches. So I, I appreciate Frank Reich coming out and saying that, but I, I take zero stock in that because he has – he does not care at all what we think or what we do. He's going to do what's best for his team. And if throwing Naheem Himes 12 times a game is good for his team, he'll do it. Uh, but he's not going to do anything because of fantasy football. So I don't know. It's not like he's going, uh, he's going to be a, I know. a, a first round I know. pick now. I don't think that's what he's saying, but I really do think they expect to have a lot of passes thrown his way. And the guy can put up some numbers. I think there were two different games last year where Taylor and Hines each surpassed 20 fantasy points in the same game. That's just how they're used, and it, 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 it drives you nuts if you have Jonathan Taylor watching uh, Hines get a little 20-yard swing pass and go but, in untouched. It drives you nuts, especially if it's on first down, but it happens. Absolutely. Um, my number two fantasy guy is Christian McCaffrey, and McCaffrey is going to be one of the most divisive players in all of fantasy football this year. He has all the requisite all the requisite skills. He has the workload to be the number one overall running back, the number one overall player. 2019, number one guy. Injuries have caused him to only play in 10 games over the last two years. So that's that's where that's what makes it tough. I don't if you want like to draft it. McCaff. I know. I don't like it. I know. I know. I I think, and by that here, I hope that Matt Rule and company have learned their lessons about overworking C-Mac. And I think they have. They already came out and said he's not going to play any preseason games. We're going to hold him back in practice, and that's good. He, he cannot have 287 carries and 142 targets again like he did in 2019. I also don't think he needs that workload to be a top-five running back. This past year, James Conner was RB5. He had 239 points. Now, every year is different. So one year, your, your RB5 might be 239. Your next year, your RB5 might be 293. Who knows? But in 2018, when Chris McCaffrey was the third overall running back, he had 219 carries. He had 124 targets, 
still a lot. Okay. He had 13 touchdowns. He had 332 fantasy points. So he doesn't need, I don't even need him to get that much work, right? Give me some, give me a few less carries a game. Give me a few less targets. It'll be fine. And I think he can still perform to where you want him to. And he's only going to be 26, which is oftentimes a last hurrah for those running backs. And as far as that uh, chart that Mike Tagliere came up with, 26 years old, that's the highest percentage of guys who finished as a top five running back for that year. He's not in my top five, buddy. I get it. Couldn't do it. I, I struggled with it. I get it. I know. I want to see him be awesome, especially if I can get a good value deal on him. Wow. But I just I can't trust it. This isn't a guy who's had like two freak injuries. It's every other week something new popping up to eventually one of them is big enough that it's just over. When he's on the field, boy, he's as dynamic, electric as anybody in the league. But he's not on the field 10 games out of, what, 733? That's, I, I, can't, I can't do a five, top five pick on a guy like that. His body is beat up. Okay, we, we could say, well, he's got a lot of rest the last two years. Yeah, because he wasn't playing. But, boy, they, they, they ran him into the ground, and it shows. I. I want to root for the guy. The dude, the NFL's better when he's kicking mm -hmm. butt and on the field. And the Panthers are awesome because while you have him, he he single handedly wins weeks for you. I just can't trust him to play. I just can't. And so I'm not knocking this guy like out of the top ten, but I can't put him in my top five. I just can't do it. He didn't miss a game for the first three seasons of his career. Didn't miss a game. Beast and then like little mighty mouse, like unstoppable, like a superhero. Yeah. He was their he whole team. He never got team. tired. He, he was it. You knew it. Your whole game plan was to game. stop never that guy, and they still couldn't stop him. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it at all. Not even a little bit. It wasn't like Unreal. he was putting up good numbers. He was putting up, like, historic numbers, and they, they could not even remotely put a dent into it. But, like I said, he's just sort of been run into the ground, and I, I'm rooting for the guy, but I, I can't waste the top, top five running back pick on him. Just can't do it. And, and I and I don't fault you at that. Uh, but going back to what you said about the defense knowing he's getting the ball, I'd watch his games and it'd be third and four, and I'd say, "All right, they're running an arrow route with McCaffrey," yeah. and he'd run the arrow route and they throw it to him. He gets it for a nine yard gain. If I know it's coming, sure the defense knows it's, it's coming. It's crazy. It's just... um, so, so let me ask you: You're picking in the first round, okay? Okay. Um, where are you comfortable taking McCaffrey? At the end of it. What's this? What's the number? Everyone's got a number. Well, how how big of a league are we in here? No, 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 no. You tell me. I don't know. We're in. Well, it matters. The end of the first round. Ten team league. league you tell me. Ten teams. My league is sixteen. I right. I, I would like wait, to wait, take well, him probably overall around 12. 12, 13. Mm. You won't get him, but that, that's fine. Well, that's, that's fine. fine. Let somebody right. else deal with it. If he blows up for them, yep. great job. It, yep. When he plays seven games. And three mm -hmm. of those, he's out halfway through the third quarter. Okay, well, you had four games where you whipped some butt, but the rest of the season, you're down your first-round pick every game. I, I, that's yep. for somebody else yep. to deal with. If it works out for them, hats off, but it's likely not going to be me. I'll take that chance that far down, 12, 13. I'm not doing it. It's six or seven. Or in some – there are, there are sure. leagues where he'll go two, three. Yep. There might even be an idiot or two out there that'll take him one. 
but I can't, it's not going to be me. I can't do it. Well, one guy I know that is on both of our top fives is Joe Mixon, correct? Yeah, he's my number two. He's the number two. Got it. So for me, there there are very few running backs who have a true workhorse role. And Joe Mixon is definitely one of them. Only three running backs had more than 260 carries last year. And guess what? Mr. Mixon had 292. He also had almost 50 targets. And that's, I mean, it's not a ton, but it's nothing to scoff at. That's for sure. So basically you have a workhorse running back who also catches a few passes a game. He's the goal line back. And besides Samaje Pirine, he has no one to take work from him. Nope. Did I mention that he has one of the best young quarterbacks in the game throwing the football to one of the best wide receiver trios in the, football? The teams are going to have to account. Trio. Right. Hey, I, I, I really don't even have know to that it's a, at this point. There's okay. about five or six that I could call number two, but I don't know how you could call. I mean, Tyler Boyd on a lot of teams is their number one. He's the three there. He's almost an afterthought at this point. And as far as that's concerned, Mixon only faced a stacked box on 18% of his carries last year. And with the blow-up that we saw Jamar Chase have last year, I bet that number drops even more. He is going to have open running lanes this year. As long as he can stay healthy and stay on the field, if you told me he was going to end up as as an RB1, I believe you. Oh, I, no doubt. Third in touches with 334 for running backs. Third in goal line touches. Like I said, he's a true old school back. He's the, he's in there all, you know, all three downs a lot of the time. That new offensive line is going to be even better. You've got that receiver trio. You've got Burrow. I mean, they're going to be moving the ball. This is like the Chargers, Chiefs, these teams that could average 35 points or more per game just blow up. And I know something that you and I both don't like going into defenses year to year, but I did do the research because that's what I do with stats. They uh, go using last year's run defenses. Cincinnati has the eighth easiest schedule against the run again. Well, you know, against run defenses. So he's got a lot of weak ones. He's going to get to go up against. Barring an injury. You're right. This guy could easily be number one. I, I have no doubt. Um, but he, he was my clear two because my three that we'll get to here, then, uh, yeah, he, I think our three, my three is, I think he's in your list somewhere is a guy that you and I both adore, but he finally has a small challenger right behind him that could take a few things. So I'm good with mixing if right. you are. Uh, I am, uh, I'm, and I'm going to move on to my four, which is Austin Eckler. That's him. He finished. What's that? Sam, that's my three. That's what I was just talking about. He's my three. Yeah. yeah. Yep. He finished second last year. So, hey, why not run it back? Uh, no, it's not going to be easy. The Chargers have been dying. And we talked about this before. They've been dying to find an early down compliment to Eckler. And they drafted Isaiah Spiller this year. He's definitely the most talented back that they've added since probably Eckler. And Eckler scored 20 touchdowns last year. That's going to be tough to replicate. I know. All that being said, I don't think Eckler needs a whole lot of carries to 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 do his work and to and to um, get his production. He only had 206 carries this past year. What he does need is his receptions. He tied for league league with 94 targets from the running back position. And 
Although Spiller is a receivable, or I'm sorry, capable receiving back, I don't think Los Angeles is looking to use him that way. Eckler's going to get his receiving work. He's going to be able to do what makes him special. And efficiency, that's the name of the game for Eckler. He averaged four and a half yards a carry, just shy of four and a half yards a carry. It's not eye-catching. But when you look at his fantasy points per opportunity, that's his carries and his targets, compared to his fantasy points, he was third in the league with 1.15 fantasy points per opportunity. So whether it was a um, a target or a carry, he was getting you a, a point, no matter what. And right. why can't he do that again? He can. He might have a, a, a maybe a mild regression in TDs, but for sure. But otherwise, otherwise he's gonna be great if he stays on the field. I mean, I know he missed a little bit of time last year, but he uh, he was second to uh, Najee Harris with 70 receptions for running backs, 18 red zone TDs. That was first in the league and 63 red zone touches. That was second. So he's getting the ball everywhere. And we just love when he has the ball because he is one of those guys truly that no matter where he gets it, he might take it to the house. He's just awesome. Who were they playing last year when he had like three touchdowns first quarter and a couple minutes into the second? And it looked like he was going to score 70 points that game by himself. But they sort of shut him down the second half. And then he hurt his hammy, I think. I don't know. But what what weird what, what's interesting about him is that he's not the fastest guy on the field. He's not the shiftiest guy on the field. He's certainly not the biggest guy on the field. I mean, you said he led the league in red zone touchdowns. The dude's 5'10", 200 pounds. Yeah, he's not, he was, no, he's not Derrick Henry. 18 red zone touchdowns. I don't know what he's just one of those. He's a football guys who, player. He's, he's good at football. That's yep. it. He's not the fastest. Like I said, he's not the shiftiest. Like I said, he's, he's, he's not that big. I'm bigger than he is sitting right here. He's just really good at football and finding in the end zone, man. Yeah. You know, he's the one guy. I'm going to tell you this. He's the one guy when I'm watching football, which we, you and I watch a probably too much football. That when he gets the ball, if oh. I'm facing him in a fantasy game or he's one of the couple guys team in the once and done or he's playing the Ravens, you know, he's maybe the one guy in the league that I am just scared to death when he gets the ball. Like literally every time that dude touches the I ball, don't want him to I'm like, oh, he's going to score here. I know. I don't care if they're if they're 70 yards out or seven yards. out. I'm like, God, just take Eckler. Please get Eckler out of the game. When Josh Kelly rolls on in there, I'm just like, so happy, like awesome. Yeah. Eckler doesn't have a chance to score on this play because it's constantly like I'm always living in fear that the dude is going to score. It, he's just, uh, he's just, and what was he, a sixth rounder, fifth or sixth rounder, wasn't he? When he was drafted, it was low. Yeah, it was low. This sort of came out of nowhere, but I really think Spiller will kind of look because I don't think they want to run Eckler into the ground. And Kelly will come in here and there to spell both of them. Um, but like I said, Spiller, they finally have a guy that they've been hoping all these other fellas could fill. I think he is going to – he will cut in a little bit. And that offense, though, you could have two two guys here that both end up in, like, the top 40 running backs just because of how much they're going to score. You, you really should. Yeah. So, I'm going to my last guy, my number five. Uh, and it's – this one's going to change. I know it already, but sitting here right now, it's Javante Williams. And I know 
I know. How can you put a guy in your top five who has an even split in snaps and touches with another running back, Melvin Gordon, and Melvin Gordon performed well last year? Well, it's because Javante is that good, and I'm really hoping that the Broncos coaching staff can't ignore it. Now, Javante, he's again, he's probably not going to end up, end up in my top five, but he's going to be close. He's going to be in my top 12. I can't imagine him getting outside of that. Even though he was 31st in snap share, he was 6th in evaded tackles and 6th in yards created, meaning 841 of his 903 yards came after making someone miss. That is absurd. Add to that that the fact he faced a stack box more than once every five carries, that's not going to happen anymore. We have, we have Mr. Unlimited. Russ Wilson under center for the Broncos now. Let Russ cook. Yes, yeah, right. Denver has some of the best offensive weapons in the NFL. That is going to open up the league's 23rd ranked offense a whole lot. And don't forget that Williams had, he also had over 50 targets last year. Melvin Gordon, he's 29 years old. We mentioned before, man, once you get after 28, buddy, that is a steep, steep cliff. And I'm really hoping that they let Javante run, buddy. So you and I were both highly annoyed that they brought Gordon back. We get it. We understand Correct. it. From a football standpoint, brilliant. From a fantasy standpoint, nightmare. Uh, for those of you out there, if, if I've already told the story, I apologize on a previous podcast, but you may remember last year that... <laughs> Uh, I apologize, Bob, but for some reason you're calling me on my phone right now. I'm not sure if you did that on purpose, so it sort of threw me off. And I looked over at my ringing phone, and Bobby Wall was calling me. <laughs> so sorry, folks. <laughs> Snafu. So I remember talking to you before the draft. I sent you a text, and I'm sure you remember this clearly. Would you rather have Javante Williams in the third round or Harris or Etienne in the first? Mm -hmm. And you texted back, so I'm like, what are you talking about? blah 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 i'm like i'm talking about javante williams like i'm watching him the dude is a freak like would you rather have him in the third save all that draft cap or the other guys in the first which we knew where they were going so you said well i'm gonna watch some tape tonight. look you come back the next morning you text me dude williams in the third all day long he's like you you said it same thing i did i think he'll be better than both of them how right yes. are we so far we look like geniuses because the dude is doing the same thing, if not even mm -hmm. more, in the NFL than he was doing at Carolina. He's a freak. I mean, that was it, the Sunday night or Monday night game this year. Who was that one against? Uh, was it against the Chiefs or Chargers? At the end of the year? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And both of us, the next one, were like, best player That's on it. the field, That's hands it. down. It yep. looked like a man playing amongst boys. It looked almost too easy for him. But. You talked about even timeshare last year. They both had 203 carries. Guess who had the higher number of yards, the higher yards per carry? Gordon. I know. I know. Just barely. Yards per carry was barely. One -tenth, okay. One-tenth of a yard, but it was better. And they're already coming in uh, saying that uh, they want to get Mike Boone mixed in a little bit too, just to keep the other two guys freaking fresh. Oh, someone. I'm just telling you, all I can do is go by what the coaches tell me, big boy. So I love Javante Williams, adore him, but I no way I can put him top five because he would have to do 
something supernaturally special on those carries to, to get top five. The two of them together could be number one. But <laughs> when you're split it in half, it's very difficult to get in the top five when you when, when it's so evenly split. And he'll out-carry Goran, out-touch him this year. But I don't think it's nearly as drastic as some others think. And Russ is going to cook. That offense is going to change. They're going to throw more. So all that thing will open up the running game, though. It will, but but they are going to. It's not going to just be run, run, run anymore. They're going to pass a lot now. But you're right that that that'll get them a little bit more with that. But I still think that the trade offs negative for for the running back production. So all that considered, that's the only reason. Do I think that there's the slight possibility that he's the best? running back in the NFL. Yes, I do think that. I think there is that possibility that he is if he's in the right situation, he might be my number 1. But in this situation, I've got him around 10, 10 to 12. That's fair. That's fair. We get you have guess, two you have more. two guys, right? Yeah, yeah so my one was this. JT, two was Mix and three was Eckler, four our 28-year-old Mr. Derrick Henry. I can't see again if he's healthy last year. That was a freak injury. Freak. And he came back. The dude is just a freak. And I know the production, actually, his production went up two years here. Last year it had slipped a little bit, but he still was by far number one in fantasy when not. He's actually on pace to break the all-time rushing record. 28 years old, wow. 23.4 fantasy points per game last year. He's the RB20, and he played eight games. I know. And is that offense changed? Other than the fact they don't have A.J. Brown anymore, it's like nothing too crazy has happened. They're going to still run the crap out of them. Will there be some regression in carries? Yes, I bet he'll only have 80% of the carries now because they know that we have got to have this guy on the field. But Hilliard, he did great. Haskins is there now. They'll be serviceable backups. But if Henry does 75% of what he did last year, he might be number one. He really could be number one, but don't so, know. So for me, um, I, I like Henry, but to play devil's advocate, uh, he had the second lowest yards of carry of his career and the lowest since 2017 this past year. Yeah, He said over 2,000 rushing attempts in the pros in college, a lot of wear on the tires. He led the NFL in carries per game the last three seasons in a row they're increasing his workload each season he has almost zero receiving work he's almost 29 which is where that cliff is and he was 31st in yards per touch this past year and he was seventh he, he faced the seventh highest percentage of stack boxes i can't imagine that's going to change since Grant, we love Traylon Burks, and we think he's going to be great. But uh, he's not A.J. Brown. No. Not yet. No, all those things make sense. If there's one guy you and I have talked about the last six, seven years in the league, though, that defies all of that, who's the guy we name every time? It's Derrick Henry. Yeah, and last year it wasn't like some weird age thing or torn hammy. It was a freaky broken bone in his foot. Yeah, that can happen anybody too. walking down the steps, yep. you know. That, that's happened not really me. an age thing. I, I may I don't pretend he's not getting older. That's why he's not my number one. 
But again, last year he was on pace to easily be number one. I just, I think as long as he's healthy, I can't imagine they're going to use him the same. He's going to get all the red zone carries. So racking up touchdowns. I just think that he's going to still do well. And I got him at number four. So and five, your last, five, yeah, your yeah. last running back. I got Najee Harris. This was, uh, no, no, this was a tough one. There's so many guys I want to put here. Like, I, I literally wrote down beside his name, volume, volume, volume. Is there another back in the league that's going to get more touches than him this year? He's going to have a boatload of carries. He had 74 receptions last year, the highest of any running backs, uh, 1,600 yards from scrimmage, 10 TDs. He only had 37 red zone touches because they weren't moving the ball that well. The Steelers' offense was sort of poor. But that, again, I, I like this thing in that they put in fantasy. All these things. Now, they like to call positive regression. In my world, that's just called progression. I don't know why we have to give it a fancier two-word name, but he should progress in that. He also only had six, six of his DDs were red zone TDs. That should go up, too. If those things go up each 50%, okay, now we've got, what, about nine more touchdowns or something. So, so all of a sudden we've got an extra 50 points. So I really think simply because of the volume he's going to get, he's young, what, 23, he's going to be a monster this year. The Steelers, I don't think are going to be that good. And they are the other really solid uh, receiving core. But since Pickens has not actually played an NFL snap yet, I couldn't, there's no way I could put them at number one, but they're one of my teams for number two. So Najee Harris was the other guy I was uh, contemplating for my fifth player, my fifth running back here instead of Javante. So uh, that being said, here comes devil's advocate. This last year, he was negative 0.16 rushing yards over expected. Now that's not a lot, but for every, um, for all of his rushing yards, he actually had less rushing yards than he should have during each play. Again, I don't know how that's, you know, done and taken care of. Yeah, he only had um, 3.9 yards per rush. Yeah. Right. He was 48th in fantasy points per opportunity. And um, he was 41st in yards per touch. Now, Derrick Henry was 31st in yards per touch. Najee Harris was 10 worse than that. I the, See, the, some of these stats, though, you can't look in, look like under a microscope like that because – he was the offense. Ben couldn't throw the ball more than five yards down the field. So, so many of his touches were for nothing. It was just sort of, okay, we're giving up on this play. Just hand it to him or give him a quick little dump off, see if he can do anything with it. And a lot of times he couldn't because that was another team. We stopped this guy. We stopped the Steelers. So, a lot of those stats I buy into. Others I don't. You, you just have to look at it from a, in a different lens. But really, for me, still, it's just volume because he had those poor numbers. And he still had a great year. And as a rookie, he's going to know the offense better now. He's going to know what he's doing. All things are saying he's in the greatest shape of his life. Of course, they say that about every player in the preseason. If they can get even it's decent man. quarterback play out of one of those fellas, then I think, I think we've got a winner here. Oh, and by the way, real quick. Guess which team in the NFL, again, we're taking it to the grain of salt, is, has the most difficult 
uh, schedule for running backs in the league? Well, it's not going to be the Steelers because that's your guy. So is it the Broncos? It is the Eagles. The Eagles Uh, have the hardest schedule in the league facing the run. Yeah. Uh, Denver actually has has the easiest. Denver has the easiest schedule against the running back, running defenses in the league. So that should bode well for for both of them. But still, yeah, that could be maybe a little bump to move him up two wrongs maybe up to like number nine yeah so they're hey, they're hey, uh hey. denver's the easiest the eagles are the hardest falcons are second hardest all right sir do me a favor yeah bring us in on the top five tight ends my friend top five t- five tight ends now this isn't as exciting as running backs because you've got six or seven guys in the nfl that really put up any kind of tight end numbers per, per year that's uh, a reason why some fantasy leagues don't even have a tight end spot. They just mix the tight ends with the wide receivers. That's not for me because I think if you want a high level tight end, you should spend some draft capital to get one. So I struggled with this one and two. I went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, but I decided I had to go I with did. Andrews. I had to Uh 25% target share. 17.5 points per game, ran a route on 84% of dropbacks, all number one in the league. Yep. Um, he's going to have a little regression in things, and they're going to be – they're saying now with the running backs healthy, they're going to run more. L. Jack's happy, run more. Um, I, I, I still think the guy is just a beast. He's always just somehow wide open, and even when he's not, he catches everything. He's a true force. The guy, I, I would have never great. thought it because two, three years ago, he was just the third string tight end on the Ravens. Okay, he's in the game. Cool. Maybe we'll catch up seven-yard touchdown here in the red zone. But he's be, he's become, he's the guy, and he runs every route. Was he a fourth-round pick? No, uh, he was fourth. Because that was the year they picked, what, three tight ends, I think, in the draft. He was the it first was one. At least, yeah. it, it was at least two. Yeah, so I think he was fourth. Yeah. But nobody expected this. This is – I mean, those last year, those are like top ten year all time for a tight end. It was amazing. He was third, 86 overall. Okay, third. Okay. Because I think they now, did a third and a fifth round that year, and then somebody else – they either got UDFA or somebody at the end of the seventh. They got three tight ends. That well, they had Hayden Hurst, right? They had they took Hayden Hurst, Hurst. I think, before they took Anders. Maybe, yeah, they might have. Yeah, I think they definitely did. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So that's weird. You you get to the end of the third round and you already drafted two tight ends, but hey, that's they worked out offense. for them because that's their Hayden offense. Hurst was fine, and they got they got draft capital for him when they traded him to uh to the Falcons. Now, yeah. with Mark Andrews, he had 153 targets. That's absurd. And their number two option, Hollywood Brown, got traded to the Cardinals. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. They did nothing to replace Hollywood Brown. They sure did. Granted, granted I, I'm a little higher on Rashad Bateman this year than you are. Um, I think he's going to have a, a sophomore jump. But Bateman had 68 targets last year, and Brown is vacating 146. Now, I don't know how many more targets the tight end can get than 153. <laughs> I went back to 2013. And Zach Ertz is the only tight end to have over 150 targets in a season. He had 156 since then. So 
Is Mark yeah, Andrews going to end like? up with a? He's going to end up with 175 targets. This whole offense, the whole passing offense for the Ravens, they're a run first team. But when they're when they plan to throw, they're throwing to the tight end. Yeah, it goes he, through him. You, you said about all the routes he runs. I'm not sure if I heard you mention he ran the second most routes from the slot. So he's not just running these inline tight end routes. He's running. He's lining up as a slot yeah. wide receiver. His deep targets, his air yards, his red zone targets. He was all number one for the position. Yeah, everything. He's the guy, man. He's yeah, the guy. He's, I don't know why you debated so long about it. Because I, I think Kelsey, even last year, Kelsey's my number two. Stats declined a little bit. Um, you know, his worst points per game, his PFF was low. His, it's his lowest PFF, like, I think ever. And it was still 81.8. So it's not like there's this massive regression to a guy that can't play. Um, 20% target share again. It's going to he, – he had averaged the four years before that 23%. That'll probably go back up now with Tyreek going. That's right. I think they realized later in the season last year, if we run our offense a little more through Kelsey, it opens up everything else. They at times – he might go two quarters without getting a pass thrown his way, and it didn't really make a lot of sense – to us, the announcers, any experts, it just didn't make sense. So I, I think he'll have a positive regression this year and bounce back in, in a not necessarily a major way, but I think he'll go back to closer his other numbers, which again weren't bad last year. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I really had to struggle because being a Ravens fan, it's like you with like. It's hard for me to trust any Raven. It's hard for me to really believe that Mark Andrews is going to go out and do that again. I want to believe it. I hope he gets better. But it's so hard for me as a Ravens fan to think he's going to go do that again. Let me help you believe it. Because since we're going to go all the way back to 2014, okay? 2014, Travis Kelsey was the fourth best tight end. Then he was the eighth best tight end. Then he was first second first 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 second and the only reason he was second this year is because of mark andrews now we talked i talked about precedent before we talked about jonathan taylor you know todd Gurley's going back to back number one running back seasons if kelsey can do it back to back to back a second and then back to first andrews can repeat man he I really hope. can i hope now back to kelsey I don't know if you know this, but he has more receiving yards since 2016 than Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, and DeAndre Hopkins. I did not know that. That's impressive. That's wild. I mean, I believe he's a tight it. End. Absolutely. He's a tight end. Yeah, he's a Devontae freak. Adams. He's a straight freak, dude. Do you know what helps him? The guy's only missed three games since 2014. Three. That doesn't he hurt. plays tight end. See, that's something a lot of people want to argue with me sometimes about how great he is. Oh, he has Patrick Mahomes on the Dude, he was doing this with what's-his-face from San Francisco. Um, Alex Smith. Yes, Alex Smith. He was doing it with him. So this wasn't just Patrick Mahomes inflating his numbers. He was doing this stuff when Alex Smith was there. He's a family, too. The brothers of an all-pro center for the Eagles, Jason Kelsey. They're both future Hall of Famers, most likely. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, they got. They uh, who's got, your three? So again, I didn't really want to do this. I did it for one reason only. Number three, I've got Mr. Kyle Pitts. I'm looking for the big sophomore bump. 
thousand over thousand yards, third in route participation, eighty percent. Got Drake London now. They have an actual receiver since Calvin Ridley is well suspended now, and before that was working on himself. He only had one touchdown. I looked last year. There were really none, but the year before there were four quarterbacks in the league in 2020 that scored a touchdown. Hell, Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott had one TD reception in 2020. So that has to improve, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I got to call a timeout because I have, I noticed the exact same thing. And in my notes, I have my last thing because I, I have more written on Kyle Pitts than I have on any other tight end. And I wrote, if you needed another reason to like Pitts, he only had one. I repeat one receiving touchdown all last season. 46 tight ends had more receiving touchdowns than Pitts, including Jody Fortson, Brock Wright, and Jesper Horstead. It's madness, dude. I looked at the list. I saw your Facebook post. So then I, I looked when I, I did. I put it on Facebook ends, and Twitter. And he's not even on the first page of tight end touchdowns. Yeah. And I knew it was one. I knew all along he had one, but I couldn't believe the people that I saw above him or tied with him. I'm like, I never heard of these people. Who are they? So then I decide I'm, you know, I'm going to look at quarterbacks. There's only one quarterback last year that had a TD reception. It's that fellow that's not really a quarterback from Denver, the wide receiver that when they had the double Rona there two years ago or whatever, he had to play quarterback that day against the Saints of all people. And they had like negative 17 yards passing or something. Well, in week, I think 17 last year, he had a uh, touchdown reception. So I don't he really count that. But the year before, there were four quarterbacks. Taysom Hill? Taysom Hill didn't have a touchdown catch last year? He did not. Interesting. Okay. Or maybe, yeah, no, he didn't. I don't think he did, no. no at yeah. least it didn't show. Um, he leads, he's the all-time NFL leader that was seven career. If you count well, him as a true quarterback. Correct. Correct. It's, right. it's a little weird. Uh, Mariota's most likely a, a better quarterback than Matt Ryan at this point, honestly. Um, got some stuff on that. Yeah, he's got higher completion percentage recently. Mm-hmm. He's just better. So all, you put all those things together. I, I've got to give the guy the number three. Um, he's what I think only that was he only the second tight end ever to have a thousand yards in his rookie season, wasn't he? Mike Ditka's yeah, the only Ditka, other one of all people. People don't realize right. it, they just think he's this great coach, cool announcer, yeah. and general lunatic. They have no idea how he is badass of a football player the guy was. He really was. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's only been revolutionized the position. He, he's really yeah. credited, yes, with turning the tight end into a viable scoring position a true receiving threat as opposed to just being a guy out there catch five passes on the season and just you know maul people mm-hmm. take like, it away i take mean it it, away. yeah no listen uh i have kyle pitts as my four okay he's 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 gonna go up because the How more research though i know the more i dug in there he dude he may end up too. He may end up bumping Kelsey down. We'll see. We'll see. But you you were talking about Matt Ryan and Marcus Mariota, and I, I dug into the numbers. Mariota started his first four years. Basically, that's what he's got in. His completion percentage for his first four years was 64%. Matt Ryan's was 
So he's where Matt Ryan was in his four years. Mariota's farther along. And Mariota was known for his accuracy in college. Kyle Pitts had 110 targets last year. Now, his catch rate was only 61%. But you know who loves throwing to tight ends? Marcus Mariota. In Mariota's rookie year, Delaney Walker led the Titans in targets with 133. That's 23 more than Kyle Pitts had this past year. Harry Douglas was second with 72. I mean, that's not even close. The next season, Delaney Walker was second on the team, but he still had 102 targets. And the following year, Delaney Walker led the team again in targets with 111. You mentioned Drake London. Defenses are going to have to account for him. He's a big, really talented receiver. Especially in the red zone. And if you want to believe what the coaches are saying, Cordero Patterson is going to be running more wide receiver routes. Mm -hmm. All of this is good news for Kyle Pitts because last year, everyone is going, they had no one to catch the ball. Russell Gage, is anyone afraid of Russell Gage? Uh, I mean, I'm not an NFL defensive back, but when I hear the words Russell Gage, it doesn't really send fear into my body. Kyle Pitts was the guy. They can't focus on him anymore. And Dude, he is primed for a below up. He's got everything. I know he lost. Matt Ryan might be a Hall of Fame quarterback, but I'm telling you, if the stats and everything is is saying he it's not going to be a drop off with Mariota. Even if he just puts up the numbers he had, but adds seven more touchdowns. I mean, there's 42 more points just by that. All right. All right, let me give you one more. I'm almost done. Of all receivers, tight ends and wide receivers alike, who had over 100 targets this year, only four had more yards per reception than, than Kyle Pitts. He was 15.1 yards a catch. That was tops in the tight end world. Um, and like you said, man, it's he has to have a, a positive regression in, in yeah. touchdowns. Yeah, I saw on one of the sites that with his uh, yardage and receptions, that player should average five, it, just average 5.6 touchdowns. That was what that, an NFL player last year would have done. When you put everything together, those numbers would have added up to 5.6 TDs. He had one. So wild, the, the guy's got nowhere to go but up. Nowhere sure. to go but up. So let's move on to four. This is another one I don't really like because I love this guy as a football player. But Mr. George Kittle of the 49ers, his tight end three last year, and he only played 13 games, but he's mm-hmm. so hit or miss. He'll have a game where he has 14 receptions for 160 yards and three TDs, and next week he has three catches on four targets for 17 yards. Mind-boggling. He grayed out the highest tight end with PFF, 91.2. Um, but the problem is, you know, they throw into blocking that, and we all know that boy loves to block. He just likes to just <laughs> pancake it. I love <laughs> and it. And then he looks for your your brother and your mother up in the stands. He's going to go after yeah. her. Um, and he was the tight end leader in yards per route run at 2.35 yards for the fourth year in a row he's led. But my big problem with him beyond the hit or miss is Mr. Trey Lance. I know everybody in San Francisco is saying all the right things about how wonderful he looks, and he's the team leader now, and blah, blah, blah. But I'll believe it when I see it. 
this is a guy that in the right place could easily be number one. I just don't think San Francisco is that place. Your thoughts? I really wanted Lance to be the guy midway through the season last year, but Garoppolo didn't do anything to lose the job. Garoppolo loves Kittle. Kittle loves Garoppolo. Nobody knows what Lance is doing. So for right now, Kittle's my three. But if Lance ends up being the starting quarterback, I'm going to have to drop him. As much as I don't want to, I'm going to have to. You'll be hard-pressed to find someone who loves the way that George Kittle plays more than me. The dude seeks contact, and I love it. It's not good for him. His sophomore season is the only year that he played a full complement of games. That being said, when he's on the field, he never he never comes off the field. He's uh, he tries to nine? sneak in. He's tries. I know. I read some last year. There was the one game he tried to sneak back on the field. That's it. Well, they told With him no they're done, t- but he snuck back out. Last year, he played ninety two percent of the snaps when he was on the field. No other tight end played more than that for their team, dude. He, so. If you're willing to gamble on drafting Kelsey early and he doesn't get hurt, it, even if he does get hurt, it's going to pay off on the games that he's in. If you draft Kelsey early, you're going to have to draft your second tight end earlier Are we than talking you about want Kelsey to. or Kittle now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said Kelsey. Okay. I meant Kittle. You're right. My, my apologies. All good. You got to take Kittle. If you take Kittle early, you're going to have to. You're going to have to take your backup early as well because Kittle's been a top four point per game tight end besides his rookie year, his entire career. Now, again, outside of nobody's good their rookie year, except for Kyle Pitts and Evan Ingram and Mike Ditka, right? He was third in 2018 in points per game, tied with Kelsey for first last year, and third in 2020, and he was fourth last year in points per game. Dude, it again, I'm going half point PPR. Full point PPR might be a little bit different. And – the one thing I like about Kittle is he doesn't have to rely on tight ends. Remember two years ago, Robert Tunyon was, was he was a top five tight end. I'm yeah, pretty just sure. Cause, just because of touchdowns. Right. He had, yeah. He had 12 or 13 touchdowns. Right. Kittle's never had more than six. He's got to have a double tight, a double touchdown number coming up here soon. I mean, you would think, right? You'd think. I'm not going to gamble on that. I know. I'm just saying, if you draft Kittle, you're going to have to draft them early and you're going to need a backup. And this all could be predicated a little bit on what Debo does, well, how that whole situation yeah. is up. Yeah, There's just so many question marks on that offense. So many. A lot. And Shanahan's, again, he's another one of these coaches that just you never know week to week what, what offensive scheme are we playing this week. It could be the week he has 17 targets. It could be the week he has four and he's expected to block for Elijah Mitchell all day or Debo. Great for, great for real football. Terrible for fantasy. Oh, yes. Glorious for real football. Terrible for fantasy. So my right. number, five, your number five, this I hate. I, I struggled. I went between about four different guys, really three. Because you can. Cause I you can. ended up going with Waller. Uh, the thing <laughs> I don't like, he's got the hardest schedule against defenses for tight ends. Don't, don't sound so excited. I know. I don't like it. Uh, I thought about Schultz. He's got the fourth easiest schedule for tight ends. Waller's the hardest. He was six in points per game for tight end, second in targets, eight and a five point five a game. 
He only had two red zone in the mix. targets. This is the guy that's supposed to be this guy that has all this height and length and can get open on any route. He only had 10 red zone targets on the season. Now you have Devontae Adams in the mix. And now you have him. One of those 10 targets, he only caught two of them. So he had two red zone TDs for a guy who's supposed to be known for doing that. And now you got Adams in there, and you got Renfro, who somehow can have three catches for 17 yards and three touchdowns. So he he loves throwing to him in the red zone. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Carr does. So I don't know. It's between him and Charles. Like you said, like you said, Ryan, things could easily change. I might change. I might be, it might be neither of them at five by the time August rolls around. Um, you're going to have to help me out here. I'm struggling to find one positive thing that you said about your fifth. That's because once you get past these guys, there's nothing else. <laughs> so who else do I go to pick? One of these random guys that scored two touchdowns last year. I could throw in Gronk, but we don't even know if he's going to play. I thought about Goddard, but again, Hurts, I don't, I don't trust him. I, For the just, last 90 seconds, all you did was huff and puff and moan about your fifth I want to like Waller. I, I want to like Waller because a couple you years said ago, nothing nobody good. had heard of him. I drafted you said nothing I, good. I got him for the minimum in my league. I got another guy, helped his draft, got him in the last round, and the dude ended up like the number three tight end for the year. So I love the dude, and I want him to succeed, but I think he'll still put up decent numbers. But in the tight end world, I just don't see him lighting it up. If somebody said, well, I think he's the 10th tight end, I'd say, well, I, I'll buy it. <laughs> feel Wouldn't better you? than the fifth, I guess. Wouldn't you? For me, my number five was, was Dalton Schultz. And the biggest problem for me here is that I really don't want four of the last top of last year's top five to be in my top five because that's not how it's going to shake out. Probably so not, but I'm that's really the position. Because because so many tight ends in the league don't even get the opportunities to 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 even have a chance to be in the top five because their offenses don't use them enough. The one thing I'll say about Schultz that might he might be able to solidify his spot is that he was the third overall tight end last year, and his situation as far as his team goes may have gotten better because obviously we know that the Cowboys traded away their wide receiver one Amari Cooper. So there's 104 targets up for grabs, and they don't really have anyone to take them. M- Michael Gallup, obviously they have CeeDee yeah. Lamb, but he's been there. Michael Gallup isn't going to play from the start of the season because he's got an injury. I'm pretty sure it's going to take him a while. He might start the year on the pup list. Not that they good got, anyway. Right, right. Jalen Tolbert's a rookie, so we'll see where that goes. Dak Prescott's going to have to throw to someone. And speaking of Dak, just having him as the quarterback is a boon for Schultz because not only was Schultz a top 10 tight end as far as targets are concerned, he was second in terms of target accuracy. So Prescott is getting him the ball in good spots. So it's going to make it a lot easier for him to catch spots. Now he's, you know, he's not throwing errant balls out there all over the, over the place. And no tight end, or I'm sorry, I know touchdowns are fluky, but with Dallas's high powered offense, Number one in the league 10. last year. I know they have a top 10 defense too, which is crazy. I have no idea how they're not better. It's just that's what Dallas does. Yeah. But with that defense and all the turnovers they produce, the offense is going to have more opportunities. Schultz's eight touchdowns he had last year, that shouldn't be too hard to repl- replicate. I mean, especially if you he's told me he the had guy six, now. Maybe he's, he's the undisputed number one tight end there now. Right. 
Right, because Blake Jarwin was like a right. thing for a while. So we got he hurt. was so at the beginning last year. He was pretty much considered one A. Schultz was one B, but then Schultz right. just took over. Schultz had eight touchdowns last year. Kevin, you have a hundred dollars. Do you bet it on Schultz getting six touchdowns next year or ten? It has two to be below one or two or the other. It has to be one of the other. Two below or two above? I'd say ten. Me too. Me too. Oh, and to speaking of the touchdown thing. If, if we want to go back a little bit to Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts in half PPR was the seventh highest scoring tight end at 142. Schultz was 169. That's only 20, what, seven points? So we're talking those five touchdowns and Pitts is the number three, yep. tight, number three tight end, buddy. That's crazy. So I want to give an honorable mention to one person who I think for those of you thinking about the second half of the season, Mr. Logan Thomas, he's coming off an ACL tear. They're saying he's looking great. They're saying there's a chance he'll be right at the beginning. I imagine he's either going to start on the pup or the IR, yeah. which we're going to touch in just a second here. But for the second half of the year, he's a guy who could be a top five guy for those last eight, nine games. He's good. He is. So we wanted to touch real quick. Uh, Goodell came out tonight with the new IR rules. And I know you don't know them yet. So I do not. Two years ago, when the COVID came out, the minimum was two games. You had to be out, and it was mm-hmm. unlimited all year. But you couldn't have a guy on it twice. Last year, it was minimum three games. You also couldn't go on twice. Well, you could go on twice, but you couldn't come back. Now, but it was also unlimited people coming back. That is all over. It is now you're out for a minimum of four games. You can only have eight IR spots for the entire season. But a guy can go on it twice and still come back but it counts as two of your eight so you have one player not counting as two of your eight so some people that maybe in the that a lot of these teams would just throw somebody on the ir back then because in two weeks they were coming back three weeks or it didn't matter because they were you knew you could get them back regardless those days are over now so now we're going to go back to the more ancient nfl which i like the new way but they want to go back to the ancient way. Now only eight IR spots, minimum of four weeks, and you can come off twice, but you count as twice. This is still, at least my first thoughts, this is still only going to affect the guys that the end of the roster guys that yeah. they're you know the going back part. and forth with. However, let's say you have Derrick Henry, and he comes back and plays two games, and his foot doesn't feel well. So he's got to go on the IR for, you know, is it a minute? Is it a minimum four weeks? Minimum of four weeks. Okay, you have, so you, you put must him on IR miss for four, four weeks, games. Right? See, and then he comes back and he plays, you know, three more games, and then he's all good. But well, it's he, his foot doesn't feel great again. Then that's It'll when it's going to get shaky. But it's, yep. there were a lot of stars the last two years though that they did it instead of well, doing this because that they and could. the other. They would give them three weeks off, little paid vacation to rest. Because it was an unlimited number, they could all come back. Well, that's not the case now. So now a guy needs, now it's four weeks. So you got to think about that because that's a quarter of the, well, almost a quarter of the season since we have 17 games. But you could run out. There's teams in the last couple of years, they went through eight IR spots in the first four weeks. Not any, that wasn't the first four weeks. That was in training camp. That was before the preseason games even started. They were already rolling. They rolled through three of them on running backs in the first two weeks of the preseason. So they didn't even start the season. They only, they would only have had five left. Yeah. That's it. So after that, these guys are on your roster, just dead meat, or you have to cut them. 
It's uh, it's the rookies are who I worry about. You can put them on the IR, but they can never come back. The rookies are who I worry about. What if, what if I, what if Isaiah Spiller does something, gets a a tear, a, a real bad hamstring strain? Yeah. In in week two, or let's say he does it in week six, and it's like, what do we do? It's week six. Do we just finish him for the rest of the year? Get him out of there? Use him on that four week IR? I don't. Well, part of it's going to matter. What else happens? Say that True. does happen yeah, in week right. six, yep. but he's their only their second guy on IR. Yeah, and they're thinking, okay, we'll get him back here. We can, but in the meantime, five more starters go on the IR in the next three weeks. All of a sudden, it's like, okay, now what are we going to do? Now we have got all these guys we want to bring back. We start bringing everybody back now. If we have injuries from week twelve on, they're done. That's it. They'll be out for the season, like it used to be. But there's a time when you can only bring back one guy. From the IR, you had to be out a minimum of eight weeks, and you could only one guy come back. Then they eventually changed it to two guys, and then when the Rona came, all hell broke loose, and it made the NFL better. Yeah, it's crazy because that wasn't that long ago. No, it was two years ago. I know, three, I think, three years ago with with the old school rules, right? The old, it's still crazy, terrible rules. But the the new thing works so much better, not just for fantasy, but for actual football because you're getting the best players out on the field. Healthy people not having to keep yeah. injured guys on your bench because you're running out of spots to put them anywhere. I don't understand. I can't imagine the players' union why they're going along with it. it makes no sense to me. I'm with you, but that, that's what it is. Now that just came out tonight. I'm sure there's some other tweaks, but that that was the uh, meat and potatoes of it. Hey, brother. Anything else you want to throw in here before we get out? I can't really think of anything offhand there, dude. I think all I think right. We well, what we want to hey, this week. We did. Our tunes are by Flatline. Thanks for listening. Check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter at GYBR underscore podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, do all the notification business. Give us some love so that you are the first to hear about when we put out a new show just like this one. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Kevin, you're the man. Appreciate it. We'll see you next week. I appreciate your honesty. See you, folks.